most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly White House correspondent. I love going to work every day, day in and day out, asking the questions that matter most to our EWTN audience. We bring it to you through a Catholic perspective, and I'm going to keep doing it day after day. This is Prudence Robertson. As host of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to report on life from a Catholic perspective. Our church faces major crises today, some of the greatest in American history, and abortion is the greatest human rights abuse of our day. On this show, we'll be speaking the truth in love, and I hope and pray that our programming will be a beacon of light in a world that needs it now more than ever. Get trusted Catholic news every day on EWTN television and radio. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. All right, let's answer your question and give you some good news. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm on oh. her side, and I don't know exactly what her side is. I think you're totally spot on with that. I sound inept just to help you out. It's been a rough week, thanks to your advice. Are you a regular listener to this program? As much as I can be. There's your problem. I would not ever disagree with you because you're so smart. You have a lot of answers to a lot of things. You don't want to listen to me on the radio. So what do I do? I can't give you any direction. Thank you for empowering me. I needed that. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, uh, do you know somebody who does? Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. When I was in college, I had a linguistics professor who said that is the, it is the human ability to use language that separates us from the other species on the planet, that makes us the dominant species? That may be, but I think as an owner of uh, a dog, there is one other thing that separates us from the brute animals. I am not afraid of a vacuum cleaner. Well, I am, sort of. I avoid it, but I'm not afraid of it. I haven't bitten it for quite a while. Good to have you with me. This is The Doctor is in the Monday version, E-Person Monday, where we look back. Well, we. You don't. I do. I look back over your communications, your missives. Ooh, I can't say that, can I? Ms. Missives? Yeah, missives. M-S. No, M-I-S-S. Can't say that. Your missives that come in through my website at drray.com. Uh, some of them come from the radio program. Some of them come from the TV program, Living Right with Dr. Ray. Look through them. Try to respond to every single one in some way, however brief. Many of them are asking about a book referral, a therapist referral. Some of them can can be answered in a sentence or two because I get so many. But those of the proper length, the uh, proper length is is important because you have to be able to address it in a way, on E-Person Monday. If it's too long, you can't. And if it's too short, you can't. So it's roughly an ideal length of maybe 100 to 300 words, somewhere in, in that range. So we'll get to those momentarily. It's occurred to me that there are certain statements that we all make that 
need unpacking. What do I mean by that? I'll give you the statement, then we'll try to unpack it a little bit. That really hurt me. She hurt me by saying that. What he does really hurts me. The common word there is hurt. And you'd think, well, okay, what, what, what are you getting at, Ray? What's, what's your point here? Well, if we assume that hurt does not mean physical hurt. I didn't get punched. You can get pushed and you kicked. But it's some type of word, statement, verbal assault, thoughtlessness, whatever, whatever it is. And we label it. It's hurtful. It's hurtful. I guess the question has to be asked, what makes something hurtful? For example, if this is a person that you could care less about, wait a minute, you could care less? No, you couldn't care less. That's a better way to put it. That's the right way to put it. You couldn't care less about what they think of you. Because you've just decided I don't give their opinions or their perspective much credibility at all. And they said something. That if it were to be said by someone you care about or someone that you like, the exact same sentence wouldn't hurt you. So it isn't so much the the context, the content of what is said that hurts. It's the interpretation you give it. In one instance, you look at the person who said it and you say, I don't give them any credibility. I don't trust their opinion. I don't really care what they think. It doesn't matter to me. So you're not hurt. You give it little more thought. But let's say that it's someone that you think shouldn't have said it. Someone that you think you could trust more to be aware of your feelings. So they they say something or they do something and you say that really hurt me. How do I how do I or the the more impactful statement, how do I get over my hurt? Because people carry hurts with them for years. And those hurts result in all kinds of behavior that, uh, well, I don't think our Lord would be pleased with it. I haven't talked to my brother for seven years. Why? Well, because of what he did seven years ago, and that really hurt me. Whoa, whoa, our Lord, he says you can't do that. On that basis, anyway. So what, what is it? What, what makes something hurt? I submit to you that in large part it is the interpretation we give to it. In and of itself, it may be a nasty thing to say. In and of itself, it could be an opinionated thing to say, a critical thing to say, negative thing to say, unfair thing to say. Could be all those. But to make it hurt we have to do something for example i may have to say 
Why would they say that to me? I'd never do that to them. How can they think that? I'm not like that. What what kind of what kind of opinion is that? I didn't even ask for that opinion. Why are they telling me that about me? I don't think that's right. So what happens is we take that hurtful statement and we make it more hurtful or less hurtful on the basis of how we interpret it. I'll give you a small example. Let's say that you have somebody in your life that that is more capable of saying things that you've labeled hurtful. And they do it a lot. I mean, this is this is not a one-time deal. This is somebody that you could probably pull up your Rolodex. If you're old like me, you have a Rolodex. You don't have it all stored on your phone. And find 12, 15, 20, 22 instances of quote-unquote hurtful statements, opinions, comments, snipes. You recognize that Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is The Good News Show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this special Labor Day episode of The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, the Guadalupe Radio Network. I hope you are hopefully off work today and relaxing and enjoying this day. I am, uh, this is all a recorded show because I am actually in San Antonio right now, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, we're recording this portion of it on, on Thursday before Labor Day, but I'm driving down to San Antonio for a dove hunt. Uh, sponsored by um, our Spanish uh, station, KJMA uh, 89.7 FM uh, down there. And so I'll be doing that all day and coming back uh, tomorrow, I think it is. But we've got uh, original uh, interviews that had never have been heard before for this program. I'm very excited. In the second half of the program, I'm going to be speaking via phone to Patrick Steenberg. This is something Diane's very excited about in particular. And he puts on what's called the Catholic Bowl. And last year was the first year they had four teams, four high school Catholic football teams that went out to the uh, Cowboys Stadium in Frisco and played. And it, it was, Diane went to all the games. And uh, this year they've got six teams uh, that are playing. And I think at least three of them are local. Munster and John Paul II and Nolan, I think, are the three local teams. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a celebration of football, faith, family, I mean, and freedom. It, there's, it's just, it, it, they got everything packed in there. So uh, that interview will be in the second half. The first half, I'm very excited about this. I've got uh, a, a studio full of this beautiful, beautiful family, David and Jocelyn Ross, and five of their six children are here. And you likely know, because you hear the announcements all the time of the year, that on October 15th, uh, the Symposium on Blessed Carl von Habsburg is going on. The last emperor and king of Austria-Hungary, and it is going to be uh, Saturday, October 15th, 9 to 3, at the Plano Event Center on Spring Creek uh, Par- Parkway in Plano. And uh, this is a big, a big event, and hundreds and hundreds of people could be there. They've done two of these. That's they had to pause during COVID, but uh, it's coming back after a th- for the first time in three years. And David and Jocelyn are here, and five of their kids. And today, <laughs> when we're recording this, is Jocelyn's birthday. And so, David, boy, you pre- you pulled out all the stops. Got cake and. 
you know, you've ordered pizza, so so thank you and, and happy birthday to you. Thank you, thank you, David. Happy uh, happy birthday, my dear. And uh, yeah. I, I want to get to the course, the 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 the, the uh, symposium and all that. But uh, Jocelyn, you're from Lebanon, and yes. I heard the story watching the Catholic gentleman. I just briefly wanted to talk about this and bring us back to 1999. David, you went over to Lebanon on a trip with the Bishop of Dallas because you were discerning a vocation and ended up meeting Jocelyn and, of course, the rest is history. Tell us that story. That's really a beautiful one. Yes. Uh, thank you for asking, and thank you for having us uh, on the program, and God bless you for all you do for our blessed Lord and his church. Well, um, in 1999, many years ago, I was uh, thinking about the priesthood. I was single and thinking about it, uh, and... Uh, um, the bishop at that time of Dallas, Bishop Charles Grauman, invited me to travel with him to Lebanon. So Lebanon had a civil war from 1975 to 1990. And Lebanon is a, is a very Catholic country, yeah. very Catholic country. And, you know, approximately, approximately, give or take, it's about 50% Catholic. So that's very, very heavily Catholic. Well, Bishop Grauman helped pay for the rebuilding of a Catholic church there, okay? This is a Melkite Rite Catholic church. It's a Byzantine Catholic church. And it's called St. Nicholas, and it was finished. It was 1999, and the local bishop there invited him back for the reconsecration, rededication of it. And uh, the bishop knew I had a, a penchant for things Middle Eastern uh, at that time, and so... Um, I agreed to go. I thought this would be wonderful for my vocation. Mm-hmm. Travel with a bishop. <laughs> so some kind of vocation. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Well, it was an amazing trip. And at that church, which he helped, you know, fund to rebuild, well, I met this beauty sitting mm. to my left now oh. in 1999, mm-hmm. June 26, at 9.20 p.m. Yes. At a big outdoor party the village was having for us, you know, American visitors. And I saw her and I talked to her and I inveigled my way to sit at her family's booth. And I thought, oh, wrap it up, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> and we married 53 weeks later. Oh, wow. You know, about a year later as virtual strangers. And that's... Because that's, longer relationship. It was longer relationship. And there was no... Uh, there was only emails, we can emails, and the phone calls were really not uh, poor so, connection. So, so not how reliable. long did you know each other in person? You met on that, that one okay. evening party, and then what was your first impression when you got this uh, uh, American man at yeah. uh, your, your, your parish in Lebanon? Well, um, I loved living in Lebanon. I never thought I would leave Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, I loved um, my family. In Lebanon, families are very close. Uh, yeah. It's a, We live in community. My neighbors were my uncles, my aunt. I grew up with my cousins. Yeah. So I never imagined that God will want me to leave and be somewhere else. Um, so And uh, I came after four boys. I was very attached to my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have strong relation with my, my family. So when I met David, the dedication was because during the Civil War, our Catholic churches were raised, were all damaged. Mm-hmm. So now we have a new church and it's St. Nicholas. And so uh, I spoke English and Lebanon mostly everybody at that time, they, uh, French was our second language. Yeah. So to speak English was just coming in. 
my priest chose me to speak with David to welcome him because I spoke the language. I never thought anything of it because David was leaving four days later. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just talked and he gave me his email address, his phone uh, number. And I said, you know, I will never call you because there's young men here. They give me their phone number and I don't call them. Why will I call you <laughs> so Some far away? The world. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, f- three months later, he wanted, to, he came back. He was on uh, Marian pilgrimage and he stopped at Fatima. And then he said, I can come visit Lebanon for three weeks. And I remember telling my dad, there's uh, this David who wants to come back. And uh, my dad said, who's David? Because my dad... You didn't meet him the first time? Yeah, he did. But my dad thought, she saw him four days, he's gone good. (laughs) Nothing happening. He didn't know something was developing. Now, as a father, I feel bad for this poor man. Who's David? The man that's coming to take your daughter away. He told me, why is he coming? I said, I don't know. He said he want to see me again. And my dad said, oh, I know why he's coming. (laughs) And he was sad. So, yeah. uh, so I saw him three weeks and then he left. And then uh, in May, this was in October, in May he came back for two months where we got engaged oh, wow. and got wow. married. So it was... Uh, you got it, married in Lebanon. We married, we married, we married in, in Lebanon. Lebanon. Wow, yeah. And in Lebanon, you know, there's courting, there's no dating. So yeah. um, I, he couldn't visit me for a long time without us being engaged or something official. Yeah. And my sister was my chaperone. She has always to go with me wherever we went. They have the chaperone. Chaperone mm. system oh, going on really. there. That, that's awesome. I, they, you know, that could be a whole interview in and of itself. Is mm-hmm. the because uh, it sounds like it's very beautiful. It's very protective of the woman. Uh, so that is awesome. Well, uh, thank you for that uh, that story. And it, there's a lot of parallels between me and Paula, but I won't get into that because it took mm. us about from meeting yes. to marrying was a year, and I got married in oh, Ireland. Good. Uh, so happy birthday! Thank um, you, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for all what you do for our yeah. Catholic community here, and uh, thank you for hosting us today. Yeah, when uh, we first realized it was September 1st that David's coming for the interview, he said that's Jocelyn's birthday, and then and I thought, well, that's a deal killer. He's not going to come and then the next email was we can still come no and, I was and, struggling for something original to do for her <laughs> you know, getting her on the radio <laughs> was it this is it and it's just, so thank you for bringing the, the family I wish everybody could see uh, your beautiful family because they're, they're just such uh, I, I can just tell in their eyes the, the, the goodness of, of these kids thank, thank you, you. Uh, thank you. alright let's uh, switch gears thank you for that in the time remaining let's talk about this event on October 15th I saw your interview that you did with uh, uh, John and Sam with the Catholic gentleman, and that gave me a lot of uh, insight. In fact, I, I encourage everybody to go on uh, and, and search Catholic gentleman and, and watch this interview. You're going to get a whole lot more than we can do in these, you know, 15, 20 minutes that we have remaining. Um, uh, I guess the obvious question for those who are not familiar with this, who is blessed Carl uh, von Habsburg? A question you've probably been asked a, a thousand times in uh, his significance, so much so that we're having a third event all about him and his wife and his, you know, his faith. Yes. Well, what's so special about this man? Yes. Well, it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Uh, and uh, this is a, a heroic man. Okay, this is the centennial of his death. He died at the age of 34, um, leaving eight children, uh, seven born children and a pregnant wife, servant of God, Empressita. And he was the emperor of the what is commonly referred to as the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Now, this is almost all of Eastern Europe, so it's a huge part of Europe, okay, 
and the Habsburg family um, governed this empire, and they actually were the successor uh, family of uh, the Holy Roman Empire. So they ruled great uh, part of Europe for 650 years. Um, Blessed Carl was the emperor during, uh, the second half of World War One. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he reigned for only a precious two years. And he is now beatified. He's beatified by a Pope, uh, St. John Paul II, who was actually named after him. Mm. You know, he, his name was Charles Cutterly in Poland. Yeah. He was yeah. named after Blessed Carl because his father was very devout. He was loyal to the empire. And a devout Catholic and named him after the uh, emperor. Well, there's many books about Blessed Carl. And, you know, I started to read about him. His feast day is October 21st, which is actually the day he and his blessed wife entered into the sacrament of holy matrimony, also known as getting married. <laughs> and, um, but he died on April 1st of uh, 1922. Well, if you read about his story, and this is what happened to me. I thought, this man is such a testimony to today's times, and it would just take too long to explain, but at the symposium website, which is blessedcarl.org, Carl with a K, you can learn a lot about that, he is a model and an inspiration to men, to fathers, friends, leaders, and by extension, his whole family is a, a, a beautiful example, his married life with uh, Blessed Zita, with the Servant of God Zita, is uh, a great testimony. And so when you read about it, you think, this can apply to today. Because he governed when communists and masons were against him. Mm. So, I mean, there was Protestant forces against him. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, the president of America at that time, was against him. It was his desire to crush Catholic elements in Europe, uh, joining forces with Masons and Communists to do this. And historians believe that the demise of this empire, which was a, a vast empire which controlled a lot of Europe, its demise in, you know, the end of World War I, 1918, is what uh, broke the dam that unleashed the moral horrors that we've been having, quote, mm. enjoying this last hundred years. So, you know, if you look at the last hundred years and all the intrinsic evils which have gained foot and have been institutionalized indeed, a lot of historians believe it's because this one man did not remain on the throne. Hmm. Now, that's, you know, a subject in itself, um, but it's fascinating to contemplate. And so that's you know, the very short version of it. Yeah, you know, oh, oh, oh yeah, go ahead, Justine. I want to say that also, blessed uh, Emperor Karl, uh, he's incorruptible. I don't know if many people know oh, that. Oh, right, I didn't know that. But his granddaughter, Princess Maria Anna, told us that her father was present when they opened his coffin, and he's incorruptible. And as David said, that blessed Karl was uh, surrounded by corruption around him. Um, all these things, uh, bad things happening, even his friend betrayed him. And it was so beautiful that God made him incorruptible. Yeah, yeah. Which leads into the question I was going to ask perfectly is that one thing that really stuck out in the in the interview that I heard with Kathy Gentleman is you you said he was a Christ figure. 
Uh, and it, it was a, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, one of the things that, and you can certainly add a whole lot more than this, but, you know, Christ's life, you know, looking strictly from a, a worldly standpoint, looked like a failure. I mean, this guy ended yes. up getting scourged and it, it ridiculed and yes. spat on and humiliated on a cross in between two criminals. And it seems like the same thing. You could look at uh, uh, Blessed Carl and say that guy was a failure. Well, mm-hmm. he he let this empire go. Yes. You know, but but speak on that. Uh, How well, is he like a Christ figure? You're right about that. Let me touch on that. And it reminds me uh, just now. Remind me of, of what Bishop Sheen once said: When people look at you, they should see another Christ in you. And we see that. <clears throat> excuse me. In Blessed Carl. We're talking about a man who was born of royalty. He had um, much taken away from him. What would today be the equivalent of billions of dollars in wealth, 600,000 square miles of land. Castles? (laughs) He lived in castles. Yes, material uh, 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 fortune, his honor, he was ridiculed, he was calumniated, he was lied about. It was all part of the program to dethrone him, to take him out, to crush his empire so they could take his land, destabilize the Catholicity of what would be about a third of Europe. So he was so good, they really didn't have anything against him, so they just made up stuff about mm-hmm. him. They calumniated him. And that's why I've always said, if anybody has ever been calumniated, okay, uh, this is a saint that you could identify with. So he was lied against. He was arrested. He was taken away from his home. He was taken away from his family. Um, he couldn't govern um, the people as he wanted because of that. And so, yes, in the eyes of the world, just like you said, it could look like Carl was a great failure But he kept his joy, he stayed on mission, he kept loving, he kept thinking of other people. He was very much a common man in this way. And so when you uh, uh, go into the study of Carl, it is looking very much like the study of Christ. Yeah, And And that's so much what makes him relevant to today. And also, I want to to add that in the eyes of the world, he was a failure, but uh, not uh, the God doesn't agree. But God doesn't agree because why after 100 years of this man being dead, we are talking about him. We're not talking about the people who betrayed him, who stole his uh, money or he stole his castle. We're talking about this specific man because God see a different way. He saw the sacrifice and he rewarded it. Tell us about uh, Zita. Another thing that surprised me is that she lived a lot longer. Was it like the 80s that she lived to be? And, uh, you know, from the perspective of of the wife, maybe, Jocelyn, you could uh, tell us how she inspires you because she's on her own uh, path to perhaps canonization as well, yes, right? She's, yeah. a, she's a servant of God. And uh, I heard a few stories from Princess Maria Anna again, their, uh, the granddaughter, because uh, after Princess Maria Anna's mother died, she 
she lived with her grandmother who's a servant of God uh, for uh, a while and I remember telling the princess you know not many people can say my grandfather is a blessed and my grandmother is a servant of God <laughs> so this is wonderful she told us that um, you know she never married she even though she when her husband died she was still probably in her 20s and she's pregnant with baby number eight uh, we know that she always wore black all her life. She, oh, wow. she lived 60 and more, seven, uh, close to 65 years without her husband. She always wore black and uh, she had a tough life because they were in exile. But uh, blessed the Emperor Carl, when he was dying, he told her that uh, the king of Spain is going to take care of her and the children after he dies. And she thought he's uh, hallucinating because she's thinking, how did he know? How did he see the king of Spain? So it turned out that the king in Spain, after blessed Carl died, he asked them to, uh, Empress Zita, to come with her children because he said in his dream, he saw blessed Carl asking him to promise oh, to take wow. care of his well, uh, it, it, widow and children. It was very, very miraculous. Yes, servant of God Zita, who is of the house of Bourbon Parma, so she is of royalty herself, was a woman of uh, very uh, deep faith and a uh, very kind and gentle woman. She died in 1989. So Blessed Carl died in 1922. She died in 1989. Wow. Well into her 90s, uh, past the uh, mid 90s. 67 years, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, with, uh, yeah, as, yeah, as, a, as a widow. Yes, right. yes, yes, exactly. Um, um, uh, let's talk about the event itself. Yes. Uh, because, yes. Uh, you know, I, I love how this is so relevant to our age. This isn't just a history lesson of somebody who lived uh, a long time, 100 years ago, and uh, you know, what a great guy he was. This is you know, even the theme, joy against trials. You know, we, this is a, I don't have to tell y'all, this is a tough time to be a Catholic, to be yes. anybody with a brain because things are just so weird in our culture today. As, as you've mentioned, the parallels, you got a lot of really interesting speakers coming in. Tell us about kind of how these six hours are going to be spent on October 15th. Yes. And they're going to go fast and it really could be even longer, but that's, uh, that's long enough. Uh, so our speakers are going to be talking to the audience something that they really can take away for their lives. You know, if Blessed Carl had not suffered, some people may say, well, what can I get from him? All right, he had what today would be billions and castles, and how is that relevant to, to me, to us, to me? But all of this being taken away from him, being arrested, being sent away, literally shipped 2,000 miles away, uh and had the wealth before and the power, what would that be like? So these speakers are going to come. You know, we have uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and he is such a good and holy man and a good shepherd, and he has a message for us. He's going to intertwine it with the story of Blessed Carl, make it applicable to us. Um, this is going to be a child-friendly symposium. So... Parents should not be afraid to have their children, you know, there listening. Are they going to hear something? Because there's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, nasty stuff going on. And I'm telling all my speakers to, you know, keep it appropriate for mm -hmm. the youth because they're going to be in the audience. You know, probably everybody who's listening now knows Bishop Schneider. And he has a uh, message, David. He, t he gave you a message to give to the listeners? He, he did. He emailed me a few days ago and said... This is the message for the audience in Dallas that uh, be not shaken 
I encourage you. I, I encourage you in your faith. I'm just going from memory here. I encourage you in your faith. Be not shaken by societal disruptions and disappointments. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to meeting all of you all in Dallas. And that's Bishop Schneider. Mm. We have also uh, Archduke Eduard von Habsburg. Uh, he is Hungary's ambassador to the Holy See. So he's from Hungary. He lives in Rome. He is uh, a, f a husband, a father of six children. He is the great, great, great grandson of the old emperor, Franz Josef, who, bless a Carl, uh, succeeded. And uh, he is going to come and talk about raising a family in the public eye and intertwining that with blessed uh, Carl. We have the speaker, Charles Colomb, who is a great author, who has a very sensitive eye to the historical perspective, and he's going to talk about uh, government uh, leadership today. We have Blessed Carl's granddaughter. Uh, we've had her a couple times before. I interview her, and it's so amazing to hear how it was with her living with Zita. And we have Suzanne Pearson, who has up the Blessed Carl Prayer League uh, in North America. Mm -hmm. I also found out from that interview that that prayer league has been going on for like a hundred years now. Or I mean, that, that's uh, even while he was in exile. Didn't that? Isn't that when it began? When I think was when he child. was five. Oh, when, when he was, he was a child. Five. Oh, it can be before he, that. Yes. Okay, yes. praying and not, for and him. And none predicted that he's going to become an emperor, and he's going to be attacked by. By how did you word it? The forces of the forces hell. of hell. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, when they listened, they said he's not even supposed to be emperor. There's right, so many right. people in front of him. So they started praying for him since then. Yeah. And we have also other speakers. Just for a short while, uh, you're gonna talk about. Uh, I have about a half a dozen other uh, uh, speakers who are gonna give five, ten minute talks. Yeah, just, John, John Heinen, I think is gonna be one of them. Yes, right? Mr. Heinen yeah. from Catholic Gentleman is gonna come. I've got a guy who makes a Blessed Carl beer. Okay. Who ever heard of Blessed Carl beer? I want to make beer? sure I'm there for that one. There will be <laughs> some... the samples? <laughs> there's, there, there's going to be actually a, a raffle of his. Uh, uh, we have uh, an expert on Empress Zita. Okay. Who's going to talk about 20 minutes, Diane Schwinn. Who works for her cause? Oh, she Diane Schwinn, Diane and Robert Schwinn. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I, I didn't know she was an expert on that. Yeah. I, I know Diane very well. She is an expert on all things. I pale in comparison to this blessed woman who's going to be talking about. Oh, really? Yes, okay. Zita. And we have a movie about Blessed Carl and uh, an opera about Blessed Carl and Empress Zita. Also, two gentlemen will be talking about that. Yeah, there's a man who's uh, uh, composing an opera on Blessed Carl. Man. He's going to come and talk about that. He is uh, an American. He lives in Houston. He's currently uh, staying in Europe for a few months doing research. He is going to come and, and uh, talk about that. Um, uh, people who are making a movie about Blessed Carl. So it's going to be yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. See, be that, that's why I told you God doesn't agree. God is yeah. bling, bringing back Blessed Carl yeah. for us now at this time. Yeah, to, and, to, and, and the secular world would just continue to not like this guy because of well, everything he represents yeah. is yeah. goodness and purity and chastity mm -hmm. and fatherliness and manliness and yeah. uh, holy, you know, uh, Diane's given me the, the one minute notice here that we got to wrap this up. But thank you so yes. much. This has been a, a delightful conversation. Happy birthday again, Jocelyn. Thank you, Dave. Uh, thanks for making our studio part of your, uh, your, your, <laughs> your tour of, uh, of uh, Jocelyn's birthday. But thank no, we, uh, we're about to enjoy some cake and pizza and, uh, uh, let, let's go. Okay. People with, okay. So 
interesting. Okay, tell me how to get tickets. What, okay. what, what do I do? Um, uh, tickets are available, advanced sale only, from the website, blessedcarl.org, not com, dot org. Blessed Carl, spelled with a K. They are available. There's all different kinds of uh, pricing there, depending on your state in life and, you know, student pricing and family pricing, what have you. Uh, they can contact me on the website. My phone number is there. Email is there. And uh, there's many tickets available. I've been asked a couple of times, is it sold out? I think people saw on the Internet from three years ago it was sold out. Yeah. They're thinking that it is not sold out. So get, get tickets. So okay. BlessedCarl.org uh, with a K for Carl. So BlessedKarl.org. Thanks so much uh, Thank for, you. for being here. Uh, it's been delightful and all these wonderful kids of yours here in the studio as well. Didn't make a peep the whole time. <laughs> Look at that. I'll tell you, my, I don't know that my, two of my three kids, I think, could, could stay quiet. But one of them, I'm not so sure. Uh, so, all right, we're going to take a break. And uh, as I mentioned before, Patrick Steenberg is going to join us on the phone and talk about a, a very different topic, but it's all related. It's related to our, our faith, and in his case, you know, freedom and uh, uh, just uh, patriotism and football, and it's and so he's he's putting on Catholic Bowl uh, two, uh, and we'll tell you all about the date and uh, how you can perhaps participate in that coming up right after this. In a post-pandemic world, it is sometimes hard to know what to do or where to go, especially when it comes to your dental health. I'm Dr. Kyle Eberlein, a parishioner at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville and a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I understand the challenges today regarding your dental health. If you're in need of help or advice about your situation, you can find us at midcitiesdental.com. We have offices in Hearst and in Bedford. The National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children was launched in 2013 as a joint project of Citizens for Pro-Life Society, Priests for Life, and the Pro-Life Action League. On Saturday, September 10th, we visit the burial places of unborn victims of abortion. In the North Texas area, there is a gravesite of aborted babies at Calvary Hills Cemetery on Lombardy Lane in Dallas. Contact Laura Weston by email at lauragweston at yahoo.com for information or visit nationaldayofremembrance.org for more information. Rebound Ministries, a nonprofit organization that helps transform the lives of at-risk youth, invites all to its second annual charity golf tournament on Friday, October 7th. The golf tournament takes place at the Golf Club at Twin Creeks in Allen, beginning at 11.30 a.m. with check-in and registration and a 1 p.m. shotgun start. The event includes green fees, carts, range balls, lunch, buffet dinner, awards, prizes, and a gift bag. For more information and to register, visit reboundministries.org slash golf tournament. Esther Fernandez is a realtor with JP and Associates and a sponsor here on KTH 910 AM. She's a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a supporter and volunteer with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Our real estate market remains strong and interest rates could change. There are first-time buyer programs available for teachers, nurses, police, and firefighters. You can reach Esther by calling 214-845-1753 or by email at estherzfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. Donors who give through the Catholic Foundation recognize us as a trusted philanthropic leader. For 65 years, our stewardship has helped satisfy donors' intentions while meeting the needs of the Catholic community. One area of great importance to us is Catholic education. Over the years, the Catholic Foundation has provided millions of dollars in tuition assistance and scholarship grants to 75 different schools. Those funds enable students from kindergarten to college to receive a Catholic education. 
Last year, we issued more than 2,000 grants worth nearly $23 million for various initiatives. Of those, 68% were distributed within the Diocese of Dallas, and 77% of those grants were for efforts that specifically involve Catholic causes and institutions. Because we serve charitable people of all kinds, contact us at 972-661-9792 or go to catholicfoundation.com. Together, we are the foundation. Welcome back to the Good News Show on this special Labor Day pre-recorded uh, episode of the program. And great to talk to David and Jocelyn Ross there in that previous segment. And as I mentioned, uh, for the rest of the show, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, really, really one of the, the very exciting new events that has uh, appeared here in North Texas. Last year was kind of the inaugural what's called Catholic Bowl and it was just a tremendous success celebrating faith, freedom, and football. And uh, this year, it's bigger and better, and it's called Catholic Bowl Two. And I'm uh, very happy to have the president and founder of uh, GlobalFootball.com in this event, Catholic Bowl Two, on the line with me. His name is Patrick Steenberg. And he is local. He lives in Granbury. And uh, just kind of sit back and listen to this if you're not familiar with it, because there's a whole lot going on this coming <laughs> Saturday. And uh, Patrick, thanks for your time. And I just, I'm, I'm very grateful for what you do, because, you know, it's just, a, it's a cool event. And I think it's just very creative and celebrating three things that, that uh, most Americans love, <laughs> faith, freedom, and football. Well, we we hope we do. Uh, everybody I hang around uh, with does, and we're just trying to further instill that in the high school students and the athletes and the supporters and, uh, you know, make, make it special, really support, you know, and honor Catholic education and athletics. Um, it's a, kind of the purpose behind this, you know. Yeah, there's so much uh, that you are doing, you know, in one day. And I know it's taken months and months of preparation, but this one day, it's all going to come down this coming Saturday. So let me just kind of give the basics of what's happening. As far as the, you know, the, the big attraction are going to be three football games, uh, including three Catholic high schools. It's going to happen at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. And you've got a triple header of high school football teams. In fact, um, three of them are from the area. John Paul II High School in Plano is going to play in the first game against St. Edmund High School of Eunice, Louisiana, 1.30. Nolan Catholic High School in Fort Worth will play St. Thomas in Houston at 5.30. And then Sacred Heart School in Munster. I think this is a new school uh, this year playing against St. Paul Catholic School in Shiner, Texas at 9 p.m. So this is a full day of great high school football, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to have plenty of plenty of action out there in uh, in Frisco at the Ford Center, part of the Dallas Cowboys Star Facility. And after our, our two games last year, that both came down to the final play. Yeah, uh, the, the the first game came down to um, JP two was driving to try to take the lead with in the closing seconds against St. Thomas out of Houston, and they threw a pass into the end zone that had it been caught would have won the game but it was intercepted by St. Thomas, and, and the game ended right then. Mm. And then the next game, we had Little Rock Catholic coming over from, from Arkansas, went against a really good uh, Nolan Catholic team and took them to triple overtime until Nolan was able to, to eke out the victory in the end. So if we can have games anywhere near as exciting, we'll be, we'll be thrilled with that. Yeah. How do you determine which schools participate? Well, that's 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. But the uh, the first two, you know, it's the Fort Worth Diocese through their um, Advancement Development Group is really a, a key part of it to help fund it. So the we have a Fort Worth team, which is Nolan Catholic is the the biggest school there with with football. And then out of the Dallas Diocese also helps support this financially so we can rent the facility and put all the things that are needed for this for this event to take place. So we've got, uh, and they, they selected John Paul II as their uh, team to play the last two years. So those two are fairly easy. Now, last year when we got this started, JP2 already had a game scheduled against St. Thomas out of Houston, which is obviously a, a large diocese. And um, so they just moved that game up to, to Frisco and played there. And the guys at, at St. Thomas were wonderful. It's it's run by the Bazillion Fathers and uh, just wonderful people. Mike Netzel, their athletic director, Rich McGuire, their head coach. And uh, they brought over 100 players up and I think a few hundred fans and parents. So they were eager to come back and join again, and we were just as happy to have them. And then uh, – the team out of Louisiana is pretty interesting. Coach James Shiver, about a week before the games last year, he emailed me, asked if he could talk, and, and we talked a little bit about the event. And he told me about his school out in central Louisiana. And um, it's in the Lafayette uh, Diocese. And a couple weeks later, I took a drive out there and uh, visited them and was impressed with the school, with their commitment to students, to their, to their Catholic base. And um, basically, he convinced, he talked his way into it, and uh, I, I just liked their attitude. He told me the other day, he said, there's going to be nobody in Eunice that, on next Saturday. He said, they're all going to be up in Texas. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. They've got, they've got buses running up. And then the other two really came again from the Fort Worth Diocese suggestion. Um, Clinton Weber heads up their foundation and their advancement, and just a, a guy who believed in this from the beginning and he called me up one day and said, look, we had a, you know, have a great school up in Munster, Sacred Heart, uh, with a great tradition. And they played in the state championship, the 2A TAP state championship last year against St. Paul's uh, out of Shiner, Texas, part of the Victoria Diocese. And he said, could we add them to it? And it took me about a month to figure it out and how we could do it with with the timing of the day. The Cowboys have that facility until noon for their practice. They'll be playing the next day, actually, their opening game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but we just we worked it all out and figured out all the details, and we were happy to expand by 50% from two games to three games. So Yeah, very so. nice. Uh, I can only imagine in future years how many teams you're going to, you know, if you keep expanding and going to different states, I'm sure people are probably calling you and saying we want to be involved. And so uh sign that that you're really onto something here. Uh, let, let's talk about that. You know, that's the football aspect of it. Uh, let's talk about faith and freedom. How how is other than the fact that these are all Catholic schools, of course, but how how um, will faith be incorporated into this event on Saturday? Well, a key piece of this is we honor and recognize, you know, a priest that I knew nothing about until last year, and, and some people brought it to my attention, but uh, there's, there was a, a Captain Emil Kapan who fought in the Korean War and actually is the most highly decorated clergyman ever of U.S. military history, a Medal of Honor recipient, and in, in the Korean War, he just... Um, would not leave his men during 
many battles and was ended up being captured and became a prisoner of war for many years. Uh, he continued to say mass at the prisoner of war camp, despite uh, the objections of his Korean captors. And in the end, he was killed in that prisoner of war camp, but he, he stood up for his men especially and, and for his belief in God. And in 93, he took the first step to canonization when uh, Pope John Paul named him a servant of God. So we want the kids to understand that story, the, the parents that are there. It's, like I say it's a new story that I, that I learned about. And uh, we're excited to, to honor Father Emil Capon. Yeah, you know, it says here, uh, the, the, this day is going to feature varsity football, cheer, dance, drill, marching bands, choir, ROTC, the Knights of Columbus Honor Guard. You got everybody involved in this, don't you? It's going <laughs> to, sounds like the, you know, no stone has been unturned um, that as far as trying to get every school and every part of really the Catholic world involved in this. So uh, tell us about some of the other things that will be going on other other than football. Yeah, when when I whatever I do an event, and I've, I've been blessed to do football events now, sporting events all around the world. Uh, really, for the last we're going on year twenty seven now, um, and every and it's not you know football is the the binding point, and it's the largest teams usually, and a, a lot of schools you know they rally around their football team, but they're supported especially at at the better schools you know by the by cheer, by dance, by marching bands. Uh, by choir, uh, by color guard, by ROTC, and then obviously the parents, the alumni, the supporters in the town. And I just, I I believe in making these special events for the entire school community. So uh, like last year, I know John Paul II, their their choir came and sang the national anthem for their game, and and they're going to do that again. And we've got an an honor guard from the uh, Prince of Peace in Plano from their, their Knights of Columbus honor guard is going to come and, and bear the colors for us for the, for the national anthem. Uh, we'll have a, a chaplain or a representative from the clergy from each school, from each diocese will be there to say a benediction before each game. Uh, halftime will be marching band. So yeah, it's, and the, the fans can come and it's, it's three games and we're going to start, we're going to kick off the first one at one thirty, uh, the second one at five thirty, and then the third one at nine, so we'll be there till about midnight, but fans can come and go throughout the day. That one ticket will give them passage throughout the day to, to come and enjoy things, maybe the team they want to watch, and then they could go out and grab lunch or something and walk around Frisco and then come back for another game. So it's uh, we want to make it a real school community event. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. Uh, Patrick Steenberg is my guest, president and founder of uh, Global Football. It's uh, located online, globalfootball.com. And you've got a couple of great honorary event chairs. Mike McCoy, uh, from uh, a player from the NFL, Notre Dame, and also Reggie Brooks, uh, also from Notre Dame and NFL, uh, tell us how how they were chosen and what their role will be. Sure, and I uh, I I'm I'm fairly proud of my roots, <laughs> having had a chance to uh, to graduate from and and play football at Notre Dame, and uh, so it's easy for me. Like last year, we brought Rocky Blyer in, who was just an incredible testimony to everything uh, a man should live for, and then this year, um, Mike McCoy. It's just a, a great guy. He runs uh, Mike McCoy Ministries, and his his whole life now is dedicated to talking to stu- school age students, both high school, middle school, grade school, around the country. And that week, actually, I think he's got five meetings set 
with student body uh, groups at various Dallas area schools. And Mike is an imposing figure. He's about six foot six, still goes about 320, massive chest, and just a big, <clears throat> tough man. He's got three or four Super Bowl rings uh, that he wears and proudly and shows he was drafted uh, the first round by the Green Bay Packers after he came out of Notre Dame as an All-American and number fourth in the Heisman Trophy balloting, which is incredible for a defensive lineman. Mm. And uh, one of the and I've known Mike since I was a freshman in high school back in Erie, Pennsylvania. We attended the same school, Erie Cathedral Prep, and he was three years ahead of me, was an influence on me uh, going to Notre Dame. So he's just a, just a great guy who, uh, you know, wears his religion, wears his passion on his sleeve. And then the other man I wanted to get involved was Reggie Brooks, who just moved uh, to the DFW area from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, he was part of Lou Holtz's great teams back in 87, 88, 89, and uh, was an All-American running back, actually out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, originally. And then he went to work uh, for in the tech industry, and eventually he found his way back to Notre Dame, um, and he became the head of, he was like the liaison for former student-athletes. So if if a former player you know, needed to meet somebody or wanted to get s tickets or how to advance. That was Reggie's job. And he represented the university incredibly well. And, uh, so he'll be, they'll both be kind of bearing witness to their lives. Talk a little bit about it. They'll do the coin toss. And, uh, on Friday, we're doing a, a special event this year where we're actually doing a, a mass for the six teams up at St. Martin de Porres in Prosper, just, uh, just North of Frisco and uh, that's a, a private event just for the teams, the VIPs and administrators from the schools and our key sponsors. And uh, we'll have it's going to be celebrated by Bishop Olson from the Fort Worth Diocese. So and both Mike and Reggie will have a few moments to talk about their lives and just give a few words uh, of encouragement to the young men who are part of these teams. I know the the the, the real uh, goal is to get as many people out to to watch and witness these you know as many of these games as possible. Uh, it looks like there also is going to be some TV broadcast opportunities. If somebody isn't able to come, will will there be an option on cable or otherwise for folks to watch the games? Yeah, we've actually got Valley Sports Southwest uh, is going to air the first two games live, and that's until a few months ago that was known as as uh, Fox Sports Southwest was Prime Sports Southwest. Uh, so Bally's took it over. Maybe it was right about a year ago, I guess, when they took it over. That That's, you know, a normal cable channel uh, that anybody with a dish or with a cable can can pick that up. And uh, in the whole, really across Texas, Louisiana, and, uh, and Arkansas also. So the, those will be the first two. And then the third game is going to be streamed. And uh, it's going to be on a, a streaming service that's going to be on called uh, Real Zeal, R-E-E-L-Z-E-A-L. -E -E and uh, those are some folks I've been working with who are getting that launched. They have, uh, they have a good partnership with Rome Reports out of Italy and have, are doing a lot of work there and just, just really powerful people. So that's where the third game will be streamed. All right. So if people want to get tickets, uh, I see here... Uh, they go to Seat Geek, is that right? Youth are ten dollars, adults twenty. Um, anything else about folks wanting to get get the tickets ahead of time? 
No, that would be the best place to sell. You know, nobody's doing hard tickets for events anymore, right? It's right. all uh, it's all online. So yeah, SeatGeek.com, and if you just go to the Catholic Bowl, uh, it pops up there very very easily. And uh, yeah, they're ten dollars students, twenty dollars adults. Like I say, you'll have what ten to eleven hours of football and bands and and cheer and the whole hoopla of of high school football with some some great people in attendance. Uh, we know we've got three bishops at least coming. Uh, bishop Burns from Dallas, uh, the bishop from uh, Victoria, Bishop Cahill, who is actually a St. Thomas High School alum, and then Bishop Olson from Fort Worth. We've invited uh, Bishop DeSoto from Lafayette and also the Houston bishop. So uh, we're waiting to see on them. So it'll be a, it'll be quite a gathering uh, in the in the Ford Center. Yeah, you mentioned that you've been involved in uh, these kind of games and exhibitions for a long time. I'm just curious about GlobalFootball.com. Uh, you know, this is one big you know day of of the year for you. What other type of things do you do uh, other than uh, Catholic Bowl too? What are what are some of the other uh, type of uh, events that you promote? Sure. The, um, and this has really been a blessing. I mean, I, I jumped into this idea in 1996. I just wanted to get back into football and I, I wasn't going to start coaching at that time. My kids were like in middle school and, you know, I, I needed to, but I love travel and education and sports, especially football. So I wanted to combine those three. And I took uh, a Catholic school out of Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Mount St. Joseph went to England with me in 1996 and then it just grew from there to where I've traveled with a lot of a lot of high schools, a number of Division three colleges, NAIA colleges, and even uh, an Ivy League, University of Pennsylvania, went with me to China in 2019. And then, you know, we took two years where we couldn't go overseas in 20 and 21, and I was driving my wife crazy, <laughs> not able to go get on get on an airplane. And actually, it was a good friend of mine, David Bender from Dallas, who said we were sitting around talking about things, and we actually went to a Notre Dame game together. And uh, I told him about this idea I'd had, and he said, well, I'll help you. I know the people. I'm on the board with, with John Paul II. I know some people with the Dia- Dallas Diocese, and he was very instrumental in kind of pushing me towards getting this getting this on the, on the road. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. And then now I'm working – a lot of people may have seen the uh, Northwestern versus Nebraska game last week. It kicked off the college football season from Dublin, Ireland. Well, next year it's going to be Notre Dame and Navy mm. playing over there August 26th. And I'm going to take a number of high schools with me, just as I did in 2012 when they were there. And uh, one of the schools that's going, Nolan Catholic, is already committed to going with us next year. Oh, is that right? So there'll be, and a few other Catholic schools. Uh, you know, we'll take really any school that's got a vision and leadership to take this on. Uh, well, we've got Seton Hall Prep out of New Jersey is going to travel with us. Uh, Bonner Prendy, a combined boys and girls school out of the Philadelphia Diocese, will will go with us. Uh, we've got Notre Dame Prep out of Scottsdale, Arizona, who went once before. They're going. And then I just got uh, the Baylor School out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, committed. So we'll probably take 10 or 12 schools uh, over with us, and uh, that'll be a big annual event. And that'll be like two weeks before the Catholic Bowl. So I've, I've got plenty to do uh, 
getting ready for next fall. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. I think the Dublin folks are going to be able to want to cheer for that team called the Fighting Irish. I don't know. I don't know. That's just uh, uh, that t- the, the, the gut feeling I get. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say they're. They're pretty uh, pretty popular over there. Yeah. Uh, Diane Xavier is uh, our production manager. She's actually going to be the one going out to the game this Saturday and uh, covering it, and she's our resident football fanatic. And she has a quick question for you, Patrick. Go ahead, Diane. Yes, sure. Patrick, you did an outstanding job last year. I really enjoyed it. In fact, the second game between Nolan Catholic, and I believe they were playing Little Rock, Arkansas last year. 